Marcast is made possible by Hayes Marketing and Digital, the recruiting experts in marketing and digital roles across Australia for a wide range of industries and job functions. Can we shift belief and can we shift behaviour? So if we can shift the belief, then I expect to see the behaviour follow. Welcome to Marcast, the marketing magazine podcast series. Each episode, host Dave Jackson will bring you in-depth, one-on-one conversations with some of Australia's sharpest marketing minds. Today is part two of Dave's chat with Isaac Smith, Executive Manager of Marketing at online real estate giant REA Group. Last week, Isaac introduced us to his role and the function of marketing at REA Group and talked us through the brand's approach to customer insight and innovation. Today, the pair dig a little deeper learning about the competitive landscape and Isaac's approach to building out a media mix, career development and recruitment. Zach, we've talked a lot about customer. We haven't, we haven't mentioned the other C word, being competitors. So do we care? What, 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 tell us a little bit about the competitive landscape. Are we, have we got half an eye on them or are we running our own race or...? Always a great question about competitor, isn't it? How do you show healthy respect but remain true to your own game? So, look, it, it, it's it's always a conversation. Um, absolutely, I don't think a day would go past in in the office amongst the team if we're not some reference to competitor. But I think what I've really noticed in the last few years within the business is just that broadening appreciation of really who our competitor set is. So it's it's you know in part it's probably a maturing of the business, but it's very much a a globalisation uh, effect in reality. So certainly it's very obvious who our our main competitor is domestically. Um, and like a true marketer, you of course never give them a free plug and mention their name, so I won't do it now. Um, but I think what's you know very much shifted and where we're much more mindful of is is those global platforms. Um, and in this case, I will break the rule and say think you know people providers like Google, providers like Facebook in particular, and even um, Airbnb in a in a sort of another parallel universe, um, certainly from a residential perspective. So. You've really got to be mindful. I mean, the, the the scale and the ease to do business with some of these platforms is is really you know world class, um, and their relevancy to our population here, just because you know we're antipodeans and so far away, and most Americans wouldn't have a clue where we are, um, doesn't mean that our consumers uh, and our customers don't know about these players uh, and don't have a need for the services they're providing and can't be attracted by um, the platforms and the ease with which they provide. So certainly it's keeping an eye both domestically, probably from a a tactical perspective at times, um, and maybe more so with our, our domestic player. We've probably seen a bit of divergence in strategy, I think, in the last couple of years. Um, where certainly we've got a global play, so we're very much building out a multinational business. Um, but we've probably sought to invest, as I referred to earlier, sort of multiple life moments. So those needs where it was talking about helping somebody into their first share space via flatmates, right through to potentially you know, that commercial property or even investing overseas into another market, um, which we also support, and all the other different sort of needs in between. Whereas um, 
our competitor here has probably been going a bit deeper on particularly the residential experience and looking at some of the activities associated with buying, if you like, and it's the open for inspections and um, some of the other applications they've got at an app level. A lot of them, a lot more of them focused at a customer level as far as um, tracking, you know, who's attended the OFI, giving them a platform to sort of track those leads and communicate back. Uh, and for consumers, they've, they've sort of probably gone into some of those complementary products like insurance and, and a touch on home loans as well, which is also a, path, a part of the business we've gone into as well. Um, but if you're sort of lifting the level and we're in digital advertising, the, the, the core pillar, you know, the core um, part of the, the industry we're in is real estate, but fundamentally we're in digital advertising and that's what those other two global platforms also provide. So very much we, we keep an eye on how do we keep that localization piece? How do we know our customers better than the competition? And how do we make sure we, we stay ahead and how do we make sure we're still easy or easier to do business with? We've talked a lot about the technology you deliver for your customers. Let's talk about technology you use as a marketing team, marketing enablement technology. What what kind of technologies are you using and how are these helping you? So, look, that's a, a great point to touch on. And, and this is probably where there was a slight difference between the internal reality versus the external reality for us. And so we've spent a lot of time as an organisation and, and certainly for the business I'm working in, focusing on what we deliver outwardly to consumers and customers. Um, but certainly internally, we, we're at risk of starting to fall behind. And so most recently, we've, I've been involved in bringing in some marketing automation platform, um, which was you know well overdue and well needed. Um, together, you know, we've we've got tagging up of pages um, and and the ability to sort of track user behaviour, but we weren't really capturing and leveraging that um, as as well as we ought. And then being able to funnel those insights through in an automated way, um, the right insights through to the right customer. And so there's been a big focus on lifting that capability up. And importantly, with that automated platform, it's not just that sort of responsive that responsiveness that we can provide. Um, clearly, with automation, it allows you to bring scale. And so, I'm not going to get any more members in my team. Not an increase in headcount, but certainly, you know, the, the growing pressure, the expectation for customers and consumers alike, they they expect to have more relevant, more personalised communication for them, um, and their tolerance level for topics and information that that doesn't cut that criteria is very very low these days um and so to be able to support that i need the automation i need to be able to scale with with understanding uh and picking up behaviorally what are they doing on site what products have they been interacting with when did they last see um one of our sales execs etc and from some of those behavioral points using that as a trigger to share some relevant information that may hopefully benefit their business and generate more conversations with our sales team and importantly, we're also looking at, we've probably been very email-centric other than the sales team face-to-face. So the beauty of these platforms are you can then also sort of diversify what sort of communication channels you're using. So whether it's SMS, whether, you know, obviously it's email, whether it's um, website uh, analytics being pulled through, etc. So certainly for events, uh, which is still a big activity we do with our customers, bringing in both the automation, but bringing in more sort of SMS for those short, timely type of relevant information things that they need particularly related to events that's been an important capability we've need to bring in you talked a little about you're not going to get greater headcount you talked a little about it changes the skill requirements and upskilling of some of your people as 
We obviously all read the press. There's a lot, a lot of discussion around technology taking jobs. What does it does it mean? Do you have a view on Do you have a view on that? Are marketing teams going to be smaller in the future because our work is automated, or are we are we going to be the same size with a new skill set? Where what does it mean for us as marketers? Oh, look, you always hope it's going to get a bit bigger. Um, and, and I think the area that um, potentially provides more scope to grow is both the data analysts. So you need people who can, you know, have got the smarts to understand how to crunch the volumes of data um, and then start looking for those correlations. And then really you need that kind of behavioural overlay. So the behavioural analysts who then can actually look at those binary points of data and actually start building some hypothesis around going, well, when we see this, we think think it means that a customer or consumer is likely to be at this point in their journey or contemplating this or and therefore we can build a story around it as far as what are the needs we think they've got at that point in time how do we have the right content and then ultimately find ways you know through marketing platforms and automation how we can then deliver that content to them anticipating their needs and i think that's very much a a, you know a consumer trend that's that's going we've touched on the personalization but it's People are looking for make make my search activity easier, match things for me, you know, um, find that relevance for me, etc. And so, the better we can understand where they are from what they're doing on our site at that given time, have appreciated what that consumer or customer journey looks like and what those needs and jobs to do are, then it's how we will have built some content and solutions that we make sure we present that to them. So it's, you know, the right information in the right context at the right time. So hopefully teams will build, but I think it's going to be around the leveraging of the data um, to get what those trends look like to be able to identify people and and then the behavioural piece to build up what those hypotheses are, test them out um, and you know, jobs like communications. At the end of the day, customers are human, we're human. You still need that that human touch, you know, crafting the comms, understanding how to, you know, have that empathy with a customer or consumer and position that information in the right way. And that's something that I just don't see AI being able to replace too quickly. I hope not. It'll be interesting to see. You talked about communications and messaging. Tell us a little bit about um, how much of your... How much of your messaging and your communication work sits in-house and then about your agency relationships? Do you, are you a strong user of agencies? And if you are, um, are you using traditional forms of media support or are you using more, more emerging forms of, of partnerships? Tell us a little bit about that. If, if I look across the business, it's um, we've, across the different um, business to business or the business uh, the line of lines of business run that's a lot of business going on there um, if I look across them my colleagues it's really it varies quite a bit so one of my colleagues has you know they have a, a volume of work and a volume of of customers um, and so they do get a lot of benefit out of using agency to give them that extra scale that extra um, burst and sometimes that specialization yeah. um, for my teams we've got a lot of in-house capability so I've got the designers I've got the communication consultants etc I've got the go-to-market etc I've uh, got some of the digital aspects we've got the social marketing people etc so we're probably a lot more self-sufficient then if I look at the consumer um, consumer uh, team, marketing team, they're very much still got some sort of traditional agency relationships uh, with, you know, the creative agency, the media um, purchasing and, and then the PR agency as well. So I think it depends on what part of the business you're looking at and what sort of scale to some extent you need. Um, then definitely, you know, I'm fully supportive of, of third parties and, and agencies and how they can bring that expertise and, and that extra 
um, scalability. Um, it's just for me personally in the business I've got at the moment, I don't need it as much as some of the other parts. And it sounds like it, you do believe it's important that you have that IP within your team as well. Even I, I can imagine without putting words into your mouth, even if you were outsourcing, you would never outsource the, the domain knowledge and the craft. You might use support for an extra set of hands, additional resourcing, but it's important to you. You believe it's important to have that expertise within the organisation. Particularly wearing my B2B hat, you know, and well, and it's the same for a consumer. I mean, at the end of the day, it's our job to have that empathy for that user. So whether you're, you're customer facing and whether you're consumer facing, you know, that value prop we deliver has to come from within. We have to have that knowledge. We have to have that belief and that passion. And if you don't have it internally and you're kind of exporting it in all the time, then I just don't think you'll get that authenticity coming back out. Um, and look, the reality is there is change everywhere. You'll get change in personnel in your agencies. You get change internally. But what you hope to do is is get it's probably a, a better knowledge retention and a better knowledge transfer within the organisation. I think what's great about using agencies and third parties is is trying to bring that extra perspective, those extra ideas that really enrich. But like the core DNA, I believe, needs to sit within the organisation. What about media mix? Um, emerging forms of media how much are you you're a tech business it yep. feels like you're fairly new age are you is traditional media gone and you're and you're all online or are you have you got a foot in both camps what, what are you doing with media yeah ab- absolutely a foot in both camps i mean at the end of the day we are marketers and we're, we've got to talk to a, a full audience um and audiences are still consuming media in many different formats Obviously, what's been changing over time is how much of those medias, um, media type they consume and when they consume it and for how long they're consuming it. So I think it's more about your media spend these days um, needs to reflect. You've got to have a clear idea, obviously, your objectives, who your target audience is, but you know, and what is the media they're consuming and when are they doing it? Um, and therefore, your budget and your execution should very much align with the representation of your target audience. So, I mean... Even though we're a digital company, if we were targeting, I don't know, a, a particular, maybe it's a, an older segment um, who are you know, much more comfortable with traditional formats such as perhaps radio and print, then if that's where they're consuming it and I need an, I've got an awareness objective, then that's where I should be. Um, but certainly as a tech company and, and you know, believing in doing what we believe in, we're, we're going to be very, we are very strongly indexed and resourced towards digital channels because you can actually get down to you know those individual segments and and be a lot more specific in your messaging and look you know the the other amazing thing about digital uh media these days and uh, is very much the measurement that feedback you know is literally instantaneous you kind of know when a campaign's working or it's not working um you know you get much longer lag and it's more kind of qualitative rather than quantitative through the more traditional media format we've talked a lot about the business um, let's talk about Isaac Smith, the marketer. Can you share your underlying beliefs about marketing, your principles, your values, your North Star? What, 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 what are those ingrained beliefs about marketing that guide the work that you do no matter what? I think there's well, there's two things. One is I've spent most of my time in B2B marketing and, and certainly have um, experience and, and current experience around consumer um, but I, I do have a bias in having come from a previous sales background. So I think I'll always have that customer piece is what 
what drives me or what I can relate to most naturally. Um, and so therefore my belief is, you know, it certainly I value having been able to be a salesperson and, and walk in those shoes and try and be as close as you can to what that, that life uh, and those experiences and needs are from a customer perspective. And so as I bring that into a marketing perspective, um, I think it's about trying to keep that realism and keep that the North Star is as much as cliche, customer-centric, etc. I think, you know, if, if you get sort of too wrapped up in your own story and, and kind of your own brand per se, as opposed to at the end of the day is the value prop that I'm delivering, is it actually making a difference in that customer's life, then they're not going to make that purchasing decision with you. Um, and so, yeah, so for my principles, w- what I'm looking for is our job as marketers is to keep it real and the true life measures are can we shift belief and can we shift behaviour. So if we can shift the belief, then I expect to see the behaviour follow and, and that's where I focus first as far as kind of my key metrics and that's the job we're in through, you know, the power of words, the power of communication, etc., and all those various clever channels and formats that we use. Ultimately, we're trying to make an emotional and at times a rational connection that will ultimately inform a customer or a consumer, um, hopefully, you know, work with that belief, shift it if required, um, and then hopefully that behaviour that we want follows. Defining moments in your career? Oh, look, I think um, it, it was probably not strictly a marketing-defining moment, but um, an opportunity before starting an REA was working overseas in Southeast Asia. And I think, you know, we the Australian market was seen as an innovative one within the industry I was in. Um, and so I, I think the premise that, you know, I kind of went into that role, into the regional role was was with a touch of arrogance of, hey, you know, we're recognised for doing things pretty cool down here. Um, so it was that sort of lift and shift mentality, um, which, which, you know, was as I started to go around the various Southeast Asian markets, you know, you get met with the nods and they're extremely polite and they clap and they make you feel welcome. And it's only six months later that you realise everything you've been saying and all those nods you've been getting absolutely translated to nothing. And and they're still absolutely executing and doing the business the way they were six months before you got there and six months after you go. So I think that reality piece, again, it's, and it's that sort of customer centricity, this role, my customers were actually people within my company but within those markets now. And each of those markets markets absolutely has got its own needs and its own personality and you need to understand those cultural nuances so whilst I had a responsibility to bring through a central you know marketing campaign into the region etc you really whilst you want to maintain the integrity of that from a a marketing perspective um, you've also got to appreciate the context of in-market execution and and those cultural nuances um, and also understanding you know what's going to motivate that team so it was in part it was a marketing lesson but i think it's it's the reality of actually wherever you are um i think that you know that the saying is um first seek to understand before being understood um and i had to get it the other way around uh before i learned my lesson zach i i'd love to talk about uh marketing careers and both your own ongoing professional development and then perhaps how I might go about as a younger marketing person interested in marketing or marketing grad go about developing my own school. Can we talk a little bit about what you're doing for your own ongoing development? Are, are you a voracious reader? Are you a networker? Are you are you blogging? Are you reading blogs? How do you how do you stay ahead of a fast emerging field? Uh, so to stay ahead in a highly competitive, you know, tech driven, I take my grandma's advice. <laughs> so it's everything in moderation. So 
So for me, it, it is, it's a little bit about reading some of the journals. Um, it's definitely about going to some of the conferences or it's often if there's a particular topic that, that looks um, it's kind of it's trending in the right direction or it's going to be practical enough um, certainly wanting to hear from you know peers in the industry um, and for me often I'm, I'm really fascinated in usually hearing from other industries because I think that's sometimes where those little magic moments happen where you hear something being applied in a totally different industry and I love too often just try and think, well, how could I turn that? How would that work in the industry I'm in? How would that work with my customers? Um, and that that's where sometimes you just get that sort of disruptive thought from is seeing what's going on in a completely unrelated industry rather than necessarily sort of focusing on what all your competitors or, or you know, like-minded globally or otherwise are doing. I, th- I think it's that sort of that disruptive idea or it's that novel approach. And at the end of the day, customers are customers because it's it's still a person sitting there. So you know, coming back to that that you know piece that I've got around that belief and behaviour, that's why I think things can translate from other places. So certainly, you know, the congresses, um, some of the seminars, not too many congresses, but definitely, you know, very focused discussions. And often, if there's a case study, and often if there's a bit of a panel discussion, I find that that excellent to attend. Um, doing the reading, I'm very lucky the organisation I'm in. I think because even though we're in a, a given industry, um, we've got diversified customer bases, and so they've got different needs. So even the learning from my peers, and then because we're multidisciplinary within the within the business, and we really do attract some amazing talent in there. So just purely. Um, networking internally um, can often be as rich as um, still, you know, building networks off some of the functions I go to and, and just keeping tabs on what people are doing. And then there's the ex-REA alumni who many of them have gone on to other great marketing opportunities in other businesses and so keeping that network alive as well. I think the other part to my job as it is for probably anybody in a senior role these days, no matter what the function is, actually most of it's about people and people development so whilst i know this is a lot about marketing the things though that i'm equally fascinated and will spend my time trying to learn on is just how do you be a better leader how do you make sure you're developing your people and and you know inspiring them etc um because at the end of the day you know they're often the ones who are ultimately doing the work so yes you try and set a philosophy and a tone and a and a culture um that obviously is reflective of the greater organization as well but it's those people that are often really doing the doing so you try and keep the compass straight you try and keep them um on that path keep them enthused keep them developing and that's an area that i try to invest in a lot as well the worst way to be a better marketer is to only work and operate and define yourself in the marketing genre you're saying look much more broadly and 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 multiple experiences from both within and with outside the industry absolutely i mean to to help develop those people and to be the best they can within whatever discipline they're in it's how you bringing other ideas and other thoughts and giving them exposure to other learning opportunities as well so that falls a lot more i think into the the people leadership scope of works than it does strictly into kind of the marketing executive scope. Tell us about recruiting your own team and what you're looking for in in people when you're recruiting them into 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 a marketing role. So if I look back to earlier years it was probably all about the capability and have they proven it before and you know the past dictates the future. Um, these days it's very much about what's their culture and what's their attitudes and I think attitude will always beat anything you know people can be taught skills but you can't be kind of taught an attitude you can't be taught 
culture, so to speak. You're, you're kind of wired the way you are. Um, you know, what, what personally drives you, that personal drive. Um, and so I look for those, I think, characteristics and attributes first and then uh, look, look and differentiate on the skill set second. I mean, there's probably an incoming assumption that the people presenting in front of you, you know, they've usually been shortlisted by the time I get to see them, um, that obviously is a hygiene factor they can do the job so really what makes a difference and what makes a superstar team is is people's attitudes and and that that drive and passion they've got um and certainly for me you know it's even more specific around what sort of empathy can they display um and demonstrate to me about either the customer or the consumer set that they've had to look after and how does that play into their work and into their thinking fantastic and what about a what about a uh, someone looking to sell services to you, um, whether it's a, a media brand or a uh, or a media platform, uh, te- a technology that that might enable? What are you looking for in a in a, in a service provider? So I, I think like what we want to provide for our customers and consumers, it's it's having anticipated the needs, having done a bit of homework to have um, being able to surmise, look, you're in this kind of role, you're in this kind of industry, you're dealing with those kind of customers or consumers. You've probably got these kind of needs. Um, and it, it is more often those sort of specific talks or, or panel discussions or the occasional conference I'll go to, which are, I guess, those sort of vendor-driven ones. And it's very much assessing how strong does that agenda look in those topics. So very much it'll be I've identified that they're running a topic or a a session on something which I think does talk to an an absolute need I've got or or a trend and a need I think I will have. And so some of the the things I'll attend are very much dealing with the here and now today and trying to sort of upskill and make sure I'm across it. Um, Others will be, you know, keep me ahead, help me anticipate what's coming. So I think vendors or, you know, et cetera, can probably play into two of those spaces. Zach, if you just bear with me, I'm going to get out the crystal ball. If you could just rub your hands over the top of that and answer three questions. REA, five years from now. Wow. Uh, Based on current trajectory, almost anything is possible, but certainly I think we're going to be active in in more markets across across the globe. Um, Certainly our investments to date have been uh, into emerging markets, if you like, so markets that are probably sort of five to ten years um, behind that sort of digital change that we are, so I I expect to be active in more places. Um, But I... I, I don't know. Lost it from there. Sorry. That's it. The field of marketing and the role of marketers five years from now. Wow. Um, Marketers. So you could go the whole crazy idea of with VR. So, um, yeah, uh, so the whole concept that, um, you know, we're all sort of hooked in online these days and that's the way we're experiencing reality. Reality has become virtual now. Um, and so the way that we're delivering, I think, messages, you know, it's all probably product placement. We've seen it, you know, in the movies. Well, imagine a, a movie running 12 or 14 hours long per day, you know, people's life. So I think it's, it'll be marketing's got to be moving towards that. How do you seamlessly integrate? Um, and it's probably almost more of that subliminal. Yeah, wow. Well, and Zach Smith in five years from now? Oh, well, look... Um, Things will have run so well with this year and the campaigns we're going to launch that uh, I'll be I'll be semi-retired. I'll be I'm sure running a couple of startups, sort of mentoring to those, and um, have retired to look after my vineyard. Sounds like a great plan. 
Isaac Smith from REA. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again go to Isaac for giving up his time to appear on Marcast. Thanks to sound engineer Brendan and the ABC Studios. My marketing magazine editor, Ben Ice. Don't forget to stay up to date in the meantime at marketingmag.com.au and the Dream Issue print edition of Marketing Magazine is available now. Stay tuned next week for more Marcast. Marcast is made possible by Hayes Marketing and Digital, the recruiting experts in marketing and digital roles across Australia for a wide range of industries and job functions. For the latest insights on what it takes to be a marketing director, download the Hayes Report, DNA of a Marketing Director, at hayes.com.au.